Nathaniel Essex, you are the father. Welcome to a special episode of the Mutant Musings Podcast. It doesn't matter what fucking month or year it is, because we're talking about our favorite stories. Yay! I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me, as always, is someone who will never leave you in the dark, child. Patty! Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com or 1 million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook. Leave us some feedback on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. We want you to talk to us. Tell us how you think we're doing. Tell us what you'd like us to do. Agree with us. Disagree. Whatever. But don't be afraid to send us a direct message. Yeah, hop into our DMs. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of being direct, here's a direct warning that we use a lot of naughty language. We're going to be talking about all the creepy underboob fun during Inferno. So if you can't stand the heat, huh? The the heat during Inferno. I don't get it. The the heat. I don't get it. Get out of my kitchen. Anyway, there's your explicit content Welcome warning. Welcome to Flavortown. <laughs> Population you. Yeah. <clears throat> We're talking about Inferno. That is correct. Inferno is my favorite X story other than, um, you know. Don't give uh, it away. No, other than the Phoenix Don't Saga, a- which we already talked about. Don't give away the cow. Make them buy the milk. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we already talked about the Phoenix Saga and the Dark Phoenix Saga. So this one was my next favorite. We're also going to talk about... Uh, my second favorite story, then we're going to re- do another special episode where where we talk about my first favorite story, like my top all-time favorite X-Men related story, and Patty's second favorite. So so yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Um, and obviously, Inferno is Patty's favorite, and so this would have been perfect for, for the Halloween episode, but we knew that we were going to be recording a couple of special episodes, so that's why we saved it for this. We did a couple of special episodes last year, uh, earlier last year, and you know, it's it's fun. We have a good time recording. We have a fun time doing this podcast. We hope you have a fun time listening, but I thought, you know, what could we do for a couple more special episodes? I'm sure we're going to do a couple more next year when when those um, alleged X-Men movies do come out. We can there are movies? Those. Yeah, allegedly. Oh. They might come out next year. Uh, uh-huh. They might come out next decade. Mm-hmm. They might come out sometime before we die. Uh, all right. So so anyway, <clears throat> so the whole setup for Inferno was uh, the Marauders steal Scott and Maddie's baby. And then Maddie sees Scott on TV with Gene. And she flips out and punches the TV and gets knocked unconscious. And so there's this guy named Sim who wants to take over Limbo. And he gets in touch with her and makes this deal. So the reading order, I looked at a couple of reading orders. And this one had uh, a bunch like more. 40 issues. Yeah. It had a bunch more of the setup for it, uh, which was interesting because I feel like it's kind of important to to actually set up the story of Inferno, even though it's not like Inferno Part 1, Inferno Part 2. And then there are a shitload of tie-ins. And, you know, like, the comic book publishers still practice this bullshit today. It's like during the Onslaught saga or something, like, Peter Parker says, what? Onslaught? And then that's considered a fucking tie-in when it happened in, like, one panel. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to, to see. You know, I did look through all of those tie-ins because I never read all those fucking tie-ins before in my life. So it was interesting to look through them, but they really don't have much... Uh, impact on the main story but it was really it was really cool one thing that i will say about inferno is that the art throughout the entire crossover was a lot of fun because there are fucking demons it's not just demons everywhere but like there's like a fucking hot dog stand like eating people there's like yeah and like the telephones who like eat the money and like attack people and shit like 
It's just like, uh, you know, like uh, demons overtake Manhattan. Yeah, and it's... Uh, the Muppets in Manhattan. Uh, right, because the Muppets are demons. Right. Muppet demons in Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, have you seen Gritty? <laughs> I love Gritty. Don't say anything bad about my son. He's from Pennsylvania, though, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. He can't come to New York. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess he could invade New York. Yeah, he should invade <laughs> New York. That place is a fucking garbage hole. What the f- what? It's so dirty. Bring hand sanitizer if you come to New York. Right. So you're going to change it from dirty to gritty. Yes. See what I did? Yes, I see. Yeah. Okay, good. Not just the stuff that was setting it up with Maddie, but there are some things that there were some like really important moments, I think, in Maddie's uh, character development before the story of Inferno took place, like a few issues of X-Men before um, she was basically like having this dream. There was like her and there was like this a clay doll or something and uh like cyclops was just taking like all of her features and taking them off of her and putting them onto this doll she was he like <clears throat> took her hair and her eyes and eventually just everything and left maddie as just this like mannequin without any features at all to make gene and i think that like really showed kind of where maddie was coming from and like Honestly, I don't blame her for anything that she did. I feel like she was completely justified because Cyclops did leave for Jean and, you know, he left Maddie with the baby and everything. And uh, I don't know. It was it was fucked up. So I understand that. And then, um, you know what he you know what he did leave behind, though, for her. He left that underboob behind. He did. Am I, am I right, he fellas? missed out on all that underboob. <clears throat> he left. He, he didn't he didn't need to take that and put it on Jean. Madeline kept that healthy dose of underboob. <laughs> Right there. We got to see plenty of that during this crossover, too. It's fantastic. You know, uh, for a bunch of issues of New Mutants before this event took place, you know, there was that whole thing with magic just, uh, like, slowly losing control of Limbo and, like, should I leave the sword here? No, I need to take it. But if I don't leave the sword here, then Sim will be able to take over Limbo. And then she started, you know, growing this armor on her and she didn't know what it was. And so that kind of like was the development of magic throughout this. And this series really, really cemented my love of magic. Yeah. Don't let fucking anybody touch your sword without consent. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. So, yeah. I and And of course, those are the two primary characters that are featured throughout Inferno. Because, yeah, as much of this is a story about Maddie, um, you know, there's a whole nother bunch of comics that focus on magic. And I thought that that was really neat, that this, that this whole story had kind of like two fronts, that it was moving forward sort of together. And, um, you know, this was really about two completely different characters, and it was really crafted very, very well. So the first thing that's that caught me completely off guard, and maybe it shouldn't have, but how Maddie and Alex start getting cozy. Yeah, and that was, was weird. It was, but it, it was the perfect recipe for this to happen. You know, fucking Sinister gets the Marauder Malice to control Polaris. So she's out of the picture. And like we already talked about what happened with Scott and Gene. So he's out of the picture. So it's kind of like, huh. Well, there's this other Summers brother who I'm going to sort of get cozy with. Uh, so, you know, it seems kind of cheesy, but again, they set it up perfectly where, like, that kind of thing made sense. Also, that um, Goblin Prince costume, yum. 
Am I right? <laughs> Would you wear that for me? Oh my god, no. Ugh, Nobody fine. wants to see me in the bedroom wearing just fucking I, garbage I, bags. I do. Torn to shreds. Tied I do. Me. All right, so uh, the connection between these two stories is basically this demon dragon dinosaur guy horse face horse face guy (laughs) this fucking horse face guy this fucking horse face guy naster so so, naster so so it's like nastier naster but but nastier 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 yeah anyway uh horse face that's all you need to know about nasty he's one of the nasty boys he is a nasty boy he's the og he's a nasty boy not when you say it like that <laughs> so he's one of the naughty boys when you say it like that. Naughty Where are boys. the naughty boys? Who needs to get punished? They're in the X Men porn. <laughs> Hairbag, am I right? Oh my Ramrod, God. am I right? Pretty boy. <laughs> it's gorgeous George. Yeah, that's what it was. Pretty boy. <laughs> Whatever. Pony boy is from the outside. Pony boy. What the fuck? <laughs> That's my friend Kayla's favorite book. Right. Shout outs to Kayla. Shout outs to Kayla. Uh huh. Yeah. Now she has to listen to this. All right. Uh. So, so the tie-ins to Nestor is that <laughs> I'm just gonna say it like that because uh-huh. that's how you read it. So Nastier like makes a deal with Maddie to make her like a goblin queen. That's a little on the nose, don't you think? Yeah. That's that's <laughs> that's what happens. And then he made a deal with Magic because she was stuck with the New Mutants in Limbo. And he said, like, I can get your friends home, but, like, you have to give me the power or whatever. I don't, I don't know. She's like, okay, I'll make this deal with you. And he, he gets all the new mutants back to Manhattan. And then he's like, haha, I'm a demon. Yeah, I betrayed you. Yeah, no, he didn't. It, it's like there, there was no catch. It was just like, you know, I'm going to help you because, you know, I don't want Sim to fucking rule Limbo. But and originally he made a deal with Sim because he was working for Sim. So he was just kind of fucking wheeling and dealing all over the place with everybody and then ultimately betraying everybody. And um, he was just a horse-faced asshole. I did not like this guy at all. This, he was sort of just like a plot device to be like, oh, things are going to go good for you. Whoop, nope, I'm a demon, so I'm lying. And so now things are going to go bad for you. There were some funny moments with him, you know, throughout uh, Exterminators, which which was one of my favorite parts of this entire uh, series, just because... It was just so much fun, and I loved those characters so much, and it was great to see them before they had been around for for any length of time. And before they stopped using Skids and Rusty completely. Oh, yeah. Um, and th- so it was kind of, like, funny, him and his stupid demons, like, trying to, like, pull some, like, funny shit, like, stealing babies and shit like that. Yeah, that was... his his followers were really stupid. It was funny. It was cute. I really liked this Exterminator series, too. It was basically, it was following Rusty and Skids, Boom Boom, Richter, Artie and Leech, and this new kid, Takeshi. They call him Taki. They call him, he calls himself Wizkid. Yeah, okay, he he eventually calls himself Wizkid. Because nobody beats the Wiz. Do you guys remember <laughs> Nobody Beats the Wiz? Yeah, you made me watch that movie. What? You made me watch that movie. Oh, uh, no, no, you're thinking of the movie The Wizard. Yeah. The Wizard with uh, Fred Savage about Super Mario, which was basically just a movie-length <laughs> commercial for Nintendo. That movie was fucking amazing. You're so fucking amazing. It. You damn right I am, because that's a great movie. <laughs> they had a Mega Man 2 arcade cabinet in that movie, first of all. We should all. get one. Like, what the fuck? The Wiz was an electronic store. You know where Best Buy is in uh, Garden State Plaza? That used to be The Wiz. And I, I didn't know that, like, The Wiz was, like, slang for pissing. 
told when I was little, one of my mom's friends like pointed it out to me and was like, eh, "The whiz," because because it means when you when you go pee, and so I thought that was hilarious. That is you not you all right? <laughs> listen, you '90s kids know exactly what I'm 90s. talking about. Not like this this fucking Patty over here. <laughs> <laughs> I am a '90s kid. Whatever. <laughs> so so anyway, um, basically, the X Factor is like, ah, oh, listen, kids, we can't take care of you anymore. Yeah. So for homes. for various reasons, so we're we're just gonna <laughs> throw you in the dumpster. So Cyclops is like, listen, I can't even take care of one kid. How am I supposed to take care of a whole fucking bunch of you? So so Artie and Leech go to this school for like special kids, not not like gifted youngster special, but like uh, developmental issue special. Yeah. So that's where uh, Takeshi is. He's in a wheelchair, and that's. I mean, they, like, let you assume that that's why he has to go to this school. Yeah. But it's, uh, eventually, he says that he has dyslexia. <laughs> it's like, wow, I feel bad because, you know, like, I have to use a wheelchair sometimes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, developmental problems. He's got a wheelchair, so he, he, he has to go to this school. But he's also an asshole. He is an <clears throat> asshole. Uh, he's really an asshole. He's such a little douche to Artie and Leech. Like, but, okay, everybody so, all the time. So it's for, be- for for a little while. It's because anyway. it's because Taki doesn't realize that he's a mutant. He has no idea. He just thinks that he's good at inventing things. And when Leech <laughs> when Leech got too close to him, he said that he didn't like the way that it felt, yeah. and he felt really weird and to like uh you know go away from him and like that they're just like little brats or whatever. That and that's and you know like he realizes he's a mutant and then he. You know, it makes sense to him. And, you know, basically, uh, these demons uh, try to take babies from this place that they're at. And Takeshi, <laughs> like, tries to stop them. So, like, okay, he is a good guy. Yeah. They just uh, go over to the school for older kids where... Um, it was like a boarding school. Yeah, a boarding school. And it was uh, Boom Boom and Skids were there. Richter was... Richter was also there. I thought Richter turned himself in. No, oh, no, no, no. no. Rusty. Rusty. Rusty turned himself in. Yeah. <clears throat> and so when fucking, you know, WizKid realizes that he has powers, which was really badass, by the way. He it's turns... Really, he, yeah, he turns his wheelchair into, like, he can turn helicopter. it into a helicopter. It's but so the, cool. The first thing he did was, like, mount guns on it, and he was <laughs> shooting at the demons. Yeah, he's a badass. No, it, it turned out to be really cool. He turned out to be, like, an okay character, but at first he was just a complete fucking unlikable douche. But yeah, so he goes over to the boarding school and gets, you know, uh, the the teenagers out of there. And then they decide they're going to fucking break Rusty out of naval prison. <laughs> and no, it was really, it was hilarious. Have you seen NCIS? What? Is that a thing that they do? <laughs> no. What? Why not? That'd be what, more, break be people out of naval prisons? Yeah. I don't know. I would do that. I'll take that job. I mean, well, because I'm thinking like, all right. So breaking people out of, like, regular prison, that's probably mm-hmm. not okay because there's, like, you know, murderers and rapists in there. Mm-hmm. But, like, what 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 can you do to get yourself locked up in naval prison? Um, pee in the ocean. What the fuck? <laughs> do you know how many years I'd be serving in naval prison if they caught me? I might have to edit that part out because I don't want the Navy to come after me for fucking pissing in their swimming pool. Anyway, yeah, so that that's the whole thing. You know, it's uh this was this was just a lot of fun because then you kind of follow the teenagers around, you know, as they're trying to figure out where Artie and Leech were were taken to. And even when we see Artie and Leech like 
captured by the fucking demons and nastier. Like, it's just funny because, like, the demons caught actual babies. Like, that's the whole thing. We They need to get mutant babies to fucking make this special pentagram in the sky to open this portal. And so Artie and Leech are trying to take care of these fucking babies. And just, like, you know, it's just, like, really cute and it's really funny. And then, like, the teenagers, like, on the way over to find them, like, stop in this fucking uh, clothing store. And they get all, like, new clothes and shit. And Richter's got, like, this leather jacket. Oh, with, he was like, his hot. Chest sticking out. That's and foreshadowing fucking... to him being gay. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know. So it's just, it's, like, really funny. But, it, like, it's also giving you context to what this story is about. Like, what the ultimate plan is for Nastier to do. It's to get these babies to open this fucking portal and let the fucking demon hordes from Limbo, you know, take over the world starting with Manhattan because, you know, what's better starting place than Manhattan, you know? I mean, That's who, what I've always who said. hasn't seen Ghostbusters, you know? I mean, come on. One other thing that happened in the story was that, um, you know, the demons were like kind of following the teenagers and stuff and they overheard Takeshi say um, that, you know, he's good at making these computers and stuff and he has spell check. And so one of the demons overhears that and kidnaps Takeshi and because he hears, oh, it has spell check. So you can check, you know, Nastir's spells. (laughs) You know, the kids weren't really paying attention to Taki because he's like new and he's younger and whatever and so now they have to go and basically find where all of these kids are so um you know taki is like oh yeah you know i can build you this machine but like it's gonna take a while to make sure that everything is is good and i'm gonna need like all of these things i'm gonna need like a like a fresh banana and i'm gonna need like Whatever, and he's just like he was just like giving like demands to these demons. Why was like fresh banana the person that came to your? I don't know. I was just thinking about bananas. You just what the fuck? I don't. I don't don't call it a fresh banana. A fresh banana. Fresh banana. Right. That's that's what we eat. And like I got like blankets for the babies. Yeah. Uh huh. With the freshest banana. (laughs) The freshest banana. Whatever, because he kept complaining, like, oh, these blankets aren't soft enough for the babies or whatever. And he was just basically trying to stall until the kids could get there. And they made Leech stand next to Artie so Artie couldn't project anymore. So, you know, uh, Taki was, like, going really slow and taking his time or whatever. And, like, he had to, like, put all these symbols that Nastier was saying into the computer. And the kids didn't get to him in time before he finished this spell so like Taki felt like all of this was his fault because he good fuck that guy he like basically you know he he did this spell so now like the pentagram is lit up and everything and he thinks it's his fault that this connection to limbo is open yeah and then the you know the the teenagers the exterminators uh you know actually show up and so the New Mutants, and, you know, that gets explained in other, you know, in the issues of New Mutants that cross through this. And so then, you know, they're fighting all the fucking demons, and, and they're fighting Nastier, and uh, they're trying to unplug it, and it gets plugged back in, and they're trying to unplug it, and there's, like, you know, like, all these problems and all these fights, and it was a, really, like, a lot of, it was a lot of fun to see. Because, you know, Takeshi makes, like, all these uh, fucking breakaway planes for them to fly. It was really cool. Boom Boom's like, oh, this is just, like... A video game. And she calls Gossamer a bimbo because it's Gossamer. But- and, and like Taki said, like, oh, I can't make enough energy for to fly all these people or whatever. Yeah, you and can fly it on your own. 
And yeah, and basically made uh, Boom Boom like the power source yeah. of these. And that was... That was really neat. Yeah. You know, but eventually, you know, uh, Takeshi makes the fucking computer explode and the portal closes. And Nastir is gone, you know, and, and the new mutants saved all the fucking pentagram babies that were that were in the sky. Pentagram babies. Yeah, they're pentagram babies. What that the was fuck me. else are you going to call them? You were, yeah, you were a pentagram I baby. I was. You I was one from... of those 13 pentagram babies. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it kind of stinks that Exterminators was only like a miniseries that just kind of like, you know, existed just f- to move Inferno forward a little bit. Uh, because it was a great, it was a great team. It was a lot of fun. And I would have loved to have seen that continue you know but obviously there were a lot of other things uh going on the new mutants you know which started a little bit before this you know obviously they don't just like i said they don't just pop into manhattan and that's where their story starts their story starts when they're actually stuck in limbo and delyana can't get them out and it was really kind of creepy to revisit like what we saw in um you know the The magic miniseries the storm and magic so, I don't know, Nastier says, you know, he wants to help Ilyana defeat Sim, and she has to accept the power of the sword to defeat him, and also maybe marry him one day, which was, <laughs> which was really interesting. Uh, but eventually she finds her confidence and beats up Sim, and it was like this really awesomely drawn battle, you know? Fucking Brett Blevins is, is awesome on art. I, I absolutely love it. But even more than that, you know, he he drew her as the actual, like, full-blown dark child. Like, she looks like a legitimate demon. She's yeah, all, she looked fucking awesome. She's all gross and red and the horns and the tongue and just everything. She looks like an actual demon. She was, was hot. Really fucking what? You're into scales? Is that what? <laughs> yeah, so, so she manages to actually get them, get the team back to Times Square, but, like, you know, can't close... The portal, you know, and we know we know why, you know, on the flip side of things like this portals with the fucking, you know, pentagram babies. So like all the demons are following them. And that's why um, when the exterminators meet up with the new mutants, Taki is like, oh, I thought this was my fault. And Ileana was like, no, it's my fault because she's the one who initially opened the portal. But Takeshi was the one that kept it open. And neither of them know that. So they're like, well, then it's both of our responsibilities to fix it, which I thought was interesting to as a way to like tie these stories together. Yeah, but like, you know, Ilyana is pretty much out of the battle. You know, she gets teleported away and she's going through Manhattan. And again, like we're going to get to the other side of Inferno. But a lot of this was like funny and cute as fucked up as it was. You know, because she's, like, she's at this diner and, like, all these demons are, like, being weird to her and shit. She can't control where she teleports. She, like, ends up in a pet shop and the animals are talking to her. And then she's... And a beauty parlor, too. Yeah, the beauty parlor. And she, like, sees herself in a mirror and starts, like, fucking crying. And suddenly she turns, like, completely armored and slashes through Nastier's body. So this was, like, interesting. She goes from, like sort of demonic to, like, full-blown demonic to, like, now she's just, like, this fucking, like, knight armor sort this of This isn't thing. even my final form. Right. Right. That's the thing that nerds say, right? Right. That's the thing. <laughs> so, like, you know, in the meantime, Colossus is walking down the street, and he just fucking grabs this demon by the neck and is like, where's my sister? And, like, a bunch of them are, like, jumping all over him. Yeah, so it's like, hey, remember when the X-Men died? Oh, they didn't. Surprise, Ilyana, it's your, it's your brother. 
I don't know, Colossus was just so badass. He's like, I'm going to slay every demon on Earth. I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to win Limbo for myself if that's what it takes to get my sister back. And Ileana still didn't think that Colossus was real. And, uh, you know, they had like a talk or whatever. She thought that he was a figment of her imagination, but he was real then too. So she didn't believe that he was real either these times because she thought that he was still dead. So, like, she was like, oh, wow, like, you know, I, I'm glad that you're actually dead so you can't see me like this or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that was that was actually kind of sad to, to see that. But, like, the new mutants keep finding more, like, teleporting discs, and then Wolfsbane finds this young Ilyana. They come face-to-face with armored Dark Child, and she wants to kill baby Ilyana, but Wolfsbane talks her out of it. Um, but Ilyana is like, listen, I have to negate my presence in limbo as if I never existed in order to stop this. So she takes like her actual final form and she's like this energy demon and she opens this huge portal and takes all the demons back into limbo, sucks Sim away. She throws her soul sword and then like when everything like calms down, it's just like her charred armor and they think that it's empty but Wolfsbane finds a young Ilyana inside. So this, like, innocent little Ilyana was inside Dark Child all along. And that sort of... That's a metaphor. Yeah, and that sort of concluded, like, the involvement of the Exterminators and the New Mutants in Inferno. But it was really, it was really neat. Again, it was really cool to see uh, the kids in the Exterminators, like, come together and go fight demons and like you know sort of help save the world because it's you know just sort of like a metaphor for like friendship and like getting through like tough times no matter what and then this whole thing with like with dark child and then her eventually turning back until young Ilyana is just like basically the metaphor there is like teenage girls are fucking demons (laughs) and you know every teenage girl hates being a teenage girl and would yeah. rather go back to being a child it's because of the periods yeah it's, it sucks yeah it's because of the ant flow you know ant yeah. flow ant flow shows up and ruins like the rest of your life Ruin my am sheets. i right am i right sisters am i you're, right you're right i have <laughs> i have such the cramps right now it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> what would you say the metaphor is then patty i don't know i'm not like um one of those people who's like Oh, yeah, the red curtains in this book symbolize that, like, I'm not one of those people. I don't know if it's that deep or they just wanted to, like, reboot this somehow or something. I don't know. I really liked, uh, you know, seeing Ileana's inner battle and, like, that's, like, a big part of her character, honestly. We kind of always see that with her, that she always has this struggle with who she is and this connection to limbo that she has that like she doesn't really like it but is part of her and i don't know i just thought that her in this story was fantastic i loved the new mutants and exterminators part you know because even though it was like really dark and you know literally it was like all demons and shit that it still had that like those like moments of lightheartedness and stuff that the new mutants had and like That's kind of what the tone was of the New Mutants, the whole book. It was, like, this overwhelming feeling of dread, but also, like, funny sometimes. But usually it did have a dark 
tone to it. Oh, no, it definitely did. But I think it's because of these characters and because of just like the lighthearted nature of most of these characters that um, it was able to work that way. It was a really interesting contrast to have like, you know, characters who are young, kind of immature and like more upbeat. Yeah, like boom, boom. Yeah, against this like dark backdrop. But in in all seriousness, um, you know, I mean, you don't necessarily have to be uh, like a, a literature nerd to find meaning in here. And, and I don't actually think that this is a metaphor for Aunt Flo. <clears throat> uh, I think that like what it means is that like no matter how dark things get for a person, that it doesn't have to corrupt you forever. Um, because people do go through some fucked up things in their life, family situations, addiction, all different kinds of things. And, um, that, that doesn't mean that it's going to, you know, mold and control who you are for the rest of your life. And I think Ilyana went back to the point where she was in her life, still kind of like finding her way in the world as a little girl and was able to get back to that, you know, without letting the fucking power of limbo corrupting her for the rest of her life spoilers she eventually you know (laughs) goes back to that sort of although you know nowadays she has a little bit of a better handle on who she is but that's you know this was completely new at the time and that's kind of what i i read this as right yeah no i i see your point and i agree and i i just i love magic so much he's one of my favorite characters of all time yeah um, so, anyway, so the flip side of... Do you remember that that saying, see you on the flip side? <laughs> I I remember being, like, 10 and wanting a flip phone so bad just so I could say that and then just, like, clank. Right. That's why you were the coolest kid. Right. Right. But I didn't have a phone until I was, like, 14. You still are... So my the, parents suck. You still, you still are the coolest kid, Patty. Aw, thank you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, on the flip side of Inferno, on the more serious side of it, uh, this whole thing with, with Maddie and Nastier is that, you know, uh, like I, like we said before, the Marauders took her baby. She wants her baby back. I so, want my baby back, baby back, baby back. This is why you're the coolest kid. <laughs> this is exactly why. You know all the fucking songs, all the jingles. I know all, all the, commercials. the commercials. Right, exactly. Wherever, whenever we are walking through a store... And and they have music playing in the store. Pat, it doesn't matter what fucking song it is. Patty knows it, and she starts singing along. I'm like Spotify. We 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 were uh we went to Starbucks before. Um, I guess this will be a little a little a little peek behind the curtain uh, of when it actually is. But the but the witch's brew from from Starbucks that was out by the time you guys are hearing this. Yeah. And she just starts singing this witch's brew song. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, we used to sing that in middle school. Uh-huh. At like at those like concerts, you know that yeah. they made us sing, uh-huh. and yeah, none concerts. of us wanted us to do it. But right. we would get we would get points off for participation in music class if we didn't go, and all our parents would go and watch us sing badly yeah. for like an hour. I you know those, that. yeah, I, everybody I had those. So this like, and then we're all these ingredients, and gotta put them in my witch's brew. I got magic, do. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know i can't believe I don't you don't know, know that, that song, song. <laughs> so speaking about the other side of this story this is following madeline Pryor. yeah um so yeah maddie made this deal to find the marauders so she could get her baby back and so the x-men could take their revenge on the marauders oh at this yeah. point in time also um the x-men are presumed to be dead yeah and they went through this portal i can't think of uh siege perilous 
Was that it? Yeah. Okay. So they went through this uh, portal, basically, and, like, they can't be detected on radars or like any kind of technology now um but basically like this goddess lady said that they were good people so they could go through this siege perilous and be anywhere in the world that they wanted to be so they decided australia for some reason Fuck yeah that's where the kangaroos are <laughs> kangaroos are fucking dope and that's where i want to be so that's that's kind of uh the x-men were just like chilling in um australia they, that's where um uh what's his name gateway yeah was uh where he was swinging the little thing and swinging the little thing it was swinging the little thing he created a gateway and like make them go wherever they wanted to and madeline was one of the people who was with the x-men and so everybody thought that she was dead along with the x-men so that's why madeline is along with the x-men in australia and that's why she wants to help the x-men because she's with them now as like an unofficial part of the team so so you know madeline gets into sinister's lab uh because that's where her fucking baby is and the x-men go to where the marauders are and this was this was awesome because you know this whole demonic influence in manhattan you know starts to corrupt the x-men and it was really interesting to see because they didn't have like the hesitation to fucking kill any of them to kill the marauders which was really really weird to see but really cool at the same Bro time got a cool hairdo too that really wasn't that cool it was like what eventually became the 90s like <laughs> hairstyle but on fucking steroids it looked ridiculous yeah so like sinister starts to talk to madeline about her past and madeline brings up annie getting hit by a car and it's like what those are jeans memories and apparently sinister was going to kill jeans parents when she was little and raise her in an orphanage but xavier got to her first so instead he managed to get a uh, blood and tissue sample of gene and start growing his own uh grow your own gene grow your own gene right it's like the sequel to the chia pet yeah yeah Gina. <laughs> what <laughs> uh so yeah but then when the gene phoenix the when when genix died uh pest genix yeah Maddie awoke in Sinister's lab and he sent her to Alaska where he was certain that she and Scott were going to meet and then let just fucking nature take its course. But now Gene is back and he needs Maddie to be gone so he can protect himself from from being discovered. So that was really, really fucking crazy because then, yeah, this is this is the whole thing. This is where we find out that Madeline Pryor is a clone of Gene Grey. And an interesting fact that I found was that Chris Claremont did not at all want this to happen. He was content leaving Jean Grey dead forever and just having Madeline be like the one in a million shot person to look like Jean and just Scott was going to fall in love with her, have a baby, move on. This was not part of... This was not part of his plan. Obviously, the fact that she looked like Jean, you know, made for some interesting conflict and did get Scott punched in the face, which was which was fun, too. Because that was... You don't... He deserved it. You don't ask your current girlfriend if she is, in fact, your former girlfriend. <laughs> that, those, those just the rules. That's a pro tip from a man in a relationship. 
fellas. God has made a lot of bad decisions in his life. We can just we can just leave it at that. Yeah, well, so so I, I thought that that was really interesting. But, you know, it nonetheless uh, made for an interesting story. There's this one fucking uh, page where Maddie is at Jean's grave and, like, breaks her fucking headstone right in front of her parents. It was like, oops, Mr. and Mrs. Gray were standing right there. And then they got fucking turned into demons, too. Oh, and then when finally... X-Factor confronts Maddie. She tells, like, Scott, like, call me your goblin majesty. And is like, oh, we're not calling the baby Christopher anymore. It's it's Nathan. And Because Scott hates that name because there was a bully in the orphanage he was growing up in. And his name was Nathan. Fucking wah. But, like, she is mad at Scott. And... Who can blame her? I don't blame her. And, but Scott is like, you know, I thought you were dead. And she's like, yeah, you hoped I was dead so you could be with Gene. And, um, you know, you, he fucking abandoned them anyway before, before he even thought she was dead. So, like, what the fuck? They mentioned later her having some, like, latent telepathic ability. And so she actually swayed that fight between Storm and Scott to make Storm win. Yeah. Um, so that Storm would take over as a leader and Scott would have to leave. And that was when Storm didn't have powers too. So I thought that that was interesting and that was like a, an interesting point. Um, and then, but the, the X-Men show up, right? And, uh, Logan just fucking grabs Jean and just fucking bends her over and starts making some sweet kisses to her. On her own grave. (laughs) What? Just fuck me on my own tombstone, baby. God. This is Gene we're talking about. Why the fuck are you saying this? (laughs) That is messed up. (laughs) So Maddie is so mad that she is going to kill this baby Nathan Christopher. Oh, Jesus Christ. And this, which that that doesn't even make sense. Like obviously Scott never cared about this baby in the first place. If she really wanted to hurt him, she should have killed Gene. The thing is, is what my problem with this is that this went on for way too long. Like when Gene and Maddie kind of like finally like hash things out in this like little psychic bubble it was it was kind of neat but until that point it just dragged out for way too long maddie just kept being like i'm gonna kill this baby if you watch me i'm gonna kill him i'm i'm gonna kill him they were standing on a everybody, cliff she could have thrown it off everybody is like either standing around with their thumbs up their asses like maddie no don't kill the baby i'm gonna kill a baby i'm gonna kill the baby or they were like having sex with each other because again you know everybody's got like this demonic influence so at one point fucking long shot and dazzler just like have sex in the water there's this fucking like river nearby and like he just lays her down and they start going at it like what the what the fuck is all of this madeline absolutely has the right to be mad right now and if she wants to take it out on gene like i understand that misplaced anger and and resentment but it's just like do what you're gonna what you're gonna say you're gonna do and just just kill the baby yeah or just fucking you know actually like attack them instead of just standing around you know like i don't know so i want to um address this because this was the issue with alex being goblin daddy so at least i think so um anyway so he was basically giving scott shit for you know he abandoned his family he abandoned he abandoned his wife and his child Mm -hmm. to go play superhero or whatever okay 
he's saying this while he's like got a thing for Madeline. Right. I'm pretty sure they hooked up at this point. Yeah, they did. They had sex. And Polaris is being mind controlled. Well, no, Polaris isn't mind controlled. It's malice. Yeah, she's being okay possessed. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, she's yeah. being mind possessed. It's the same fucking thing. Okay. By malice. So? Like, so that's the same thing. He should be out there trying to find Polaris and save her. Just take the necklace off. I don't know. Maybe this whole, you know, Summers thing is hereditary. (sighs) (laughs) What the fuck? They're just all, they just all need to get their shit together. Just put it all together. Just get it all together. Yo, and, and seriously, just... don't even get me started on Vulcan. I hate that motherfucker. I'm so fucking glad that he's gone. I what about Adam X? I hated that. Adam X is the best Summers brother. I don't give a shit. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what that's what fucking Nicieza originally wanted. He wanted Adam X to be the third Summers brother, and he even made it happen during fucking uh, Secret Wars. When he was writing one of those like side series, only Adam X went by Burner, and his entire body was like covered in fire all the time. So he made Adam X a little bit cooler. But there was nothing wrong with Adam X to begin with. That's what exactly. I have to say. There was he was perfect the way he was. I agree. So fucking finally, eventually, Maddie throws the baby in the air. Right? Kick the baby. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And and Scott saves it, and the Phoenix Force shows up because because we we needed more of that. Um, a piece of the Phoenix was inside Maddie and now it's returned to Jean and then boom, Maddie is dead and, and the demons are gone and all the buildings go back to normal and the people go back to normal. And then finally Scott confirms he is indeed a douchebag and says out loud that he was with Maddie and married her because she looked and felt like Jean, but that doesn't matter. It that doesn't matter. We have to go. We have to go find the final boss. That's uh, the Phoenix thing. That's because Jean basically rejected it. And so it was like looking for her DNA, basically. And it found Maddie and it thought that it was her. And Maddie accepted it. And that's how she had that like latent telepathic power. Consensual. That's, yes. That's an important thing. So then when the Phoenix left, Maddie, Jean was like, well, I have to take this. Yeah, take it. Yeah. Take it, Jean. It's Don't been a be while. mean to Jean. It's been I'm not I'm not being mean to Jean. Jean hasn't gotten herself any in a while. Jean needs she, some peen. Jean needs the peen. Jean was at the fucking bottom of the ocean for so long. I know. That's not the good kind of wet. That is <laughs> Uh Jean is talking about how like Maddie is a part of her now and is like all the things we take for we take for granted, home and family and friends she never she never had. And now it's like, all right, well, let's just completely shit on on Madeline's character because Maddie did have all of those things. She had a home. She had family and friends. She had them when she was with the X-Men, you know, even if she wasn't with Scott. Obviously, it's not a great situation that he walked out on on her with the baby. But I, I would argue that she did have a home and family and friends. So what the fuck ever. But we can forget about Maddie because she's dead. Yeah. And they still have to take out uh, Mr. Sinister. And so this was great. So at the end of one issue, it seems like it's all up to Longshot. For, for some <sighs> fucking reason, this guy, this, this guy is going to save the day. And Longshot takes out Malice with his fucking belt. A belt throw, it was just the perfect amount of time for Beast to sneak up on Mr. Sinister and allow Scott to become conscious. It was, that's the luck power at work. That was a lucky fucking belt throw. That was the stupidest fucking thing. I've never been sold on Longshot as a character. 
I, I'm mostly ambivalent, but you know, when I look at this, he takes out Malice with his belt. I'm like, why? Why are there people alive that allowed this to happen? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was stupid too because, like, this issue began with like everybody passed out except for Longshot, basically. And yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was stupid. You know, there are a lot of times where I feel like they had used Longshot as like. Well, I don't know how we can make this happen, so we'll just we'll just put Longshot in here and be like, "Go, oh, was his look powers?" Yes, yeah, this is the pretty blonde boy. Just fucking throw yeah, the pretty the blonde mullet. boy in there. Pretty blonde mullet boy. Yeah, makes things happen. So this is where uh, Scott was like having all these kinds of like flashbacks to uh, Sinister when he was little. So he he had like unleash his eye beams or whatever and sinister had he said that he put the blocks in his mind somehow to like stop him from controlling it until he got like older or whatever yeah so that was that was kind of weird and they've since kind of retconned that too but that was that was interesting but also at the same time like you want sinister to look like this badass villain but he failed twice. He wanted Scott and he wanted Gene. And both times, you know, during this crossover is like, but Xavier got there first. Well, like, it's kind of fuck? it's kind of like a plot hole. Like if you actually think about it in Harry Potter, you know, when Voldemort right. went and killed Harry's parents but couldn't kill a baby. He is a baby. You don't have to use a spell. He is on the second floor. You can just take him and throw him out the fucking window. What the fuck? There you go, dead baby. What the fuck are you doing? Thinking out how to fucking commit baby homicide. <laughs> baby homicide. Why would you no, think that No, because, through? okay, th- because of Harry, Whoa, th- it was, it was, no, 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 it was, <laughs> it was, it was the, like, uh, prophecy that Harry was the only one who would be able to stop Voldemort. So he had to kill this baby. So I'm just saying there are other ways to kill a baby. Right. And I'm just saying that your response to me saying, why would you think about killing a baby started with because (laughs) instead of instead of Jonathan, I'm not. It started with because. (laughs) Listen, I when I originally read this, I had no idea who this baby was. I didn't like make the connection like, oh, this baby is somehow going to become, you know, the burly fucking 80 year old geriatric child of Cyclops and Jean. Oh. I thought this was just going to be a different unrelated baby who I, was going to die. I thought you were still talking about Harry Potter. I was like, the book is literally <laughs> named after him. How the fuck did you not know that baby was that baby? Harry was Harry Potter. His name is on the front of every fucking book. Uh, no, I'm talking. I'm, t- I'm talking about Madeline's baby. Oh, okay. So after after failing several times at abducting children yeah um sinister tried a new game sinister sinister changed it up (laughs) he decided that he was going well okay if i can't steal a baby i'm gonna make a baby (laughs) so he made madeline so that she could meet scott so that they would fall in love and have a baby right and then he could have the baby right that's the easiest If thing. I can't have Scott or Jean, I'm going to wait for them to grow up, that, fall in love, have a baby. I'm going to take the baby. That is such a much more direct way of doing it. <laughs> As this like whole fight is going on, Alex Alex starts making fun of Scott. It's it was really funny. What's wrong? No more girls to play with? Run out of redheads or did you just run out on them? And then like he starts blasting Scott and 
Of course it's going to make Scott stronger. He's like yelling at first, like, no, what are you doing? Like, don't be a fucking moron. And make Scott, like, much more powerful. It just fucking amps him up. And this was amazing. It was amazing. He just full-on blasts Mr. Sinister. In the ass. He ass blasts Sinister. Yes, that's what happens. If you you don't believe me, read this issue. It's X Factor 39. Uh Scott blasts Mr. Sinister in the ass. Right, and holding his butt, he just limped away and (laughs) said, you guys win. I don't want to play your games anymore. That's right. Right. (laughs) Now, uh, Sinister died. He was obliterated. Yeah, but, oh man. In the ass. It looked amazing. It was cool because this is the first time we've ever gotten to see Cyclops' power. Sinister's anus. What? Yeah. I'm sorry. What? Yes. Did you did you say something? Yes. This is the first time we got to see Cyclops' power? Like, actually, like, unleashed, because he would never use deadly force on In anybody? Yes. Listen, you started it. You're going to take it now. In the ass. You're going to take it, Patty. <laughs> You're gonna take it too, because we're in session. we're we we reciprocate here on Meet Amusing's podcast. Uh-huh, so fine. you take what you get. That's what. Yeah, no, that was that was amazing. That was an amazing panel because it's like it's just his bones. Even the bones are fucking broken apart. I mean, spoilers. He comes back. He does. <laughs> he does come back. But yeah, this was it was really awesome to see, and you know, this ends just everybody's happy and hugs all around and all that kind of shit. I just thought that this was like, um, because at first I didn't understand what the point of Maddie was. And I felt like it would have been so stupid if she actually was what Claremont intended and just happened to be a woman who looked a lot like Jean Grey. I agree. I feel like that would have been stupid. I felt like this was the perfect resolution for her. Okay, we don't really need her anymore because we have Jean now. You know, she died. So it's not like we have to worry about her uh Ever like coming, back. coming because that never no no i mean <laughs> i mean like like you know how many times has like magneto even in the first like 20 issues come back because they wouldn't kill him right so like at least they don't have to worry about her for like three years yeah is no. what i'm saying they don't have to like worry about like going around a corner and madeline is going to be there yeah that would be embarrassing it would yeah. be it would be very awkward yeah for, you know scott and gene just wheeling around little fucking baby Nathan Fillion. What? <laughs> yeah, it'd be really awkward if, if Scott and Gene were Nathan Fillion's parents. <laughs> that would be really awkward, you know? He'd be way too charming. He would completely overshadow Scott and Gene as characters, and nobody would even remember who they were. He would make the perfect cable, you know what I mean? He'd, he'd just be fucking so suave and... Yes. Yeah. Muscly. Mm-hmm. Chiseled chiseled features and everything chiseled features right chiseled features chiseled jaw chiseled jaw chiseled hairline chiseled nose chiseled eyelashes (laughs) nathan nathan fillion more like nathan fillion my heart baby (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i know good times good times uh no but you know this was this was just a, a a great story about revenge just consuming people and also a warning to not be a deadbeat dad uh because this is what happens and also don't fall in love with your don't one fall, true love's clone yeah don't fall in love with somebody who looks like one of your exes because <laughs> chances are she's a fucking clone and mr sinister wants your fucking semen and your eggs 
and wants to be a grandpa, and he doesn't want to be the fun grandpa. When are you going to give me children? Right. He doesn't want to be the fun grandpa, you know, that, like, you know, does, like, magic tricks and, like, pulls, like, a quarter out of, like, your ear and gives it to you. You know, he's the kind of fucking grandpa that grows you in a lab and, you know, fucking does all kinds of stupid shit. Anyway, it was a great story. I liked, um... You know, I really liked Maddie as a character. It was sad to see her go out this way, even though it, it did make sense. You know, and Cyclops got to, you know, kind of kind of start things over with Gene again. So that all, you know, eventually turned out great, right? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good story. It was a good time. Yeah, no, I agree. I love this story, obviously. So, woo! Uh, so, are you mad about Maddie's treatment? Do you prefer Ilyana's light side as a little snowflake or her dark side as the dark child? Hope it isn't too much of a long shot to ask you to keep your belt on while we take a quick break. Hey, you have the internet, and if you're listening to this, you're probably a geek. Don't call names. My mom says if you don't have anything nice to say, then go fuck yourself. The coolest place on the internet for geeks is geekhead.com. My mom tells me I'm already the fucking coolest, no matter what the other kids or teachers or librarians say. Love comic books, video games, wrestling, movies, and TV shows? Geekade.com has got you covered with articles, podcasts, and videos about all those nerdy subjects and much, much more. Check out geekade.com today. Hey, you have Facebook, and if you're listening to this, you're probably an X-Men fan. My mom says when you assume, you make an ass out of you, me, and Barry Manilow, and that is forbidden in our household. The coolest place on Facebook for X-Men fans is the page One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men. My mom tells me I'm not allowed to be a fan of anything but Barry Manilow and Solon and an adult. Love everything about the X-Men? One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men has got you covered with news, art, and merchandise for sale. Check out One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook today. Okay, so uh, what we're going to be talking about next is what I consider my second favorite uh, X-Men related story. And it is uh, from Wolverine Volume 4, which started in 2010. Uh, Jason Aaron uh, wrote it. And this is a story where Wolverine loses and loses very badly. And the thing is, is this goes across like three story arcs. This isn't considered like one actual story, but I consider it that way because the primary villain here is pretty prominent, even though you don't realize it in the beginning throughout the like 14 issues of this. It was absolutely amazing storytelling, how he managed to kind of like plant these seeds throughout uh, the first arc and then, uh, bring it all together in the end. And the actual end of this story where we're going to stop is just, it fucking blew my mind. And even when I was rereading it, uh, so we could talk about it, I still got fucking like chills reading it. So the first story arc of, uh, Wolverine volume four is Wolverine goes to hell. Uh, it is the first five issues of, uh, this volume. And really it is exactly what it says. Wolverine literally goes to hell. His soul goes to hell and his body is possessed by demons and he's running around on earth just fucking ruining Wolverine's actual life. So like at the time, Logan was dating this woman, Melita Garner. She was really cute, super cute, super into him and super good for him too. And this team of really interesting looking villains come to her job looking for her and she runs away. And one of them tells her it's because of her boyfriend that she's going to die. But Mystique arrives to save her. And we get, like, uh, this random group of villains. We have no idea who they are, what they're about. 
All we know off the bat is that Mystique was working for them and betrayed them. Uh, but they have like that's a- that's new. <laughs> yeah, Mystique betrayed somebody. Yeah, yeah. That, I fucking I hate. Mystique. And she was riding a hog. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 the slang. Mm-hmm. You you got your motorcycle slang. That's the slang. You motorcycle aficionado. You. That's me with your hog with the choppers. They got choppers. Yeah, that's a thing. That's different if from a got, motorcycle. They got bikes. Uh huh. They got hot rods, which could be short for bicycle. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Do you I'm like not to ride your bicycle, Patty? I'm not sure which one this is. It's some kind of motorized bicycle. A moped? It might be a moped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, when I say Wolverine goes to hell, it's not like, you know, Logan is hanging out in like, you know, one of the fucking nine realms or something. You know, this is actual like biblical hell. And he's literally... And like Satan is telling him that he's going to like shove his his pitchfork up logan's ass right literally the words on the page. literally and get like splinters in his butthole right mm-hmm. it was just get let's get right to the point let's get right to the, <laughs> let's get right to patty's point patty patty's point is fucking pitchfork up the butthole wait no it's hell it should be up the urethra why would you fucking do that? Because he's the devil. That's but, what they do. But, oh, man. How come? Why? Uh, uh, God. Yeah, so Logan is literally in hell, and the devil just keeps sending, like, all these people that Logan has killed. Like, soldiers, ninja, hydra. Um, He can't heal as fast. He's got bone claws. And, like, the devil just keeps telling Logan, like, I'm going to fucking break you. I'm going to make you... I'm going to make you scream. I'm going to make you miserable. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the devil just keeps wearing Prada. <laughs> uh-huh. Just keeps talking about fashion. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Are you calling Meryl Streep the devil? <laughs> or is it Anne Hathaway? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm, I am I. wonder now what the cross-section is of <laughs> X-Men fans. <laughs> X-Men fans who listen to this podcast... <laughs> And X-Men fans who listen to this podcast and also have seen The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> Mutant Musings poll right now. So, uh, so yeah. So, you know, Mystique gets Melita to fucking Damien Hellstrom and two whole Ghost Riders who are going to try to help save Logan. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of sad to see that the fucking Devil has got Matico uh, down there and has Matico whip Logan. Yeah, that was nice. I like that part. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the part where he finally screamed, and I was like, "Yeah, mommy knows what she's doing." Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> but also, okay, so this uh, who whoever this demon guy who's in who's in Logan, all right? He is like, "Oh, I'm gonna fuck up Logan's life." So you know, while Melita and Mystique and blah 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 are going to try and rescue Logan, the, whoever is possessing. Logan on Earth is like going around and killing people because Melita tried calling um, Yukio, mm. and Yukio is like, "Are you the reason that Logan won't sleep with me anymore?" <laughs> and then you know Wolverine just showed up and just started attacking Yukio and uh, what's her name? Uh, Miko. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Demon Wolverine went after her too, and also killed um, the original Silver Samurai. Uh, I don't think he's come. Has he come back since since this? I don't I know. I don't remember. We do have a new one now, but what's a, what's his name? Ken Harada. Yeah, Harada. He's he's he got killed in this in this story arc, and I'm pretty sure that he's still dead. 
So yeah, people who were who were tied to Wolverine ended up getting killed because of this fucking demon. So then we learn that uh, we we hear this that that they're being made to suffer in the name of the red right hand. We don't know exactly what that means yet, but like we still occasionally will see this group of people and this old guy. We and... assume they're Republicans because <laughs> right and red, red right hand. Uh huh. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean blood. No, I know, right but hand. but. But red is uh-huh. like Republican color, right? And right, right. is the Republican side. Hand. So it's hand. Uh huh. <laughs> they're the Republican hand. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're the Republican side of the hand. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're they're concerned about tax cuts. Right to for the, the wealthy. wealthy. <laughs> the the wealthiest one percent of hand members. <laughs> right. That's right. They get the five-finger discount. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so then we learned that Mystique helped set up Logan in the first place. We don't know how. Uh, We just just know that the red right hand wanted Logan lured into the back of a truck, which... which... I mean, bitch, who don't? (laughs) (laughs) Right? So, so yeah, and then they sent his soul to hell, and Hellstrom uh wants to try to exercise the demons that have possessed logan and that would open a doorway for for logan to get out um so so the fucking demon logan ends up on utopia he hits shadow cat he's fucking he's fighting colossus um he ends up fighting a bunch of uh a bunch of x-men he like Um, gouged angel's eyes out that was really scary he like walked through angel and like angel's eyes were just fucking bleeding and he said some nasty shit about magic to Colossus. It was like, you know... Yeah, I'm gonna fuck your demon sister. Yeah, on a bed of your viscera. Like, oh my I was god. Like, I was like, am I the only one with an erection right now? <laughs> so fucking ballsy. And he's just all fucking proper about it. And just like, maybe some fresh air will clear your head. And then punches him through a wall. But that was a fucking nasty thing to say. You know, but... We learned that this group of random people says that, like, Logan's friends, loved ones, that they all have to suffer. We learned that the team of villains that went after Melita, they're called the Mongrels. It's just, like, these five people who are just together, separate from this other group of people, the Red Right Hand, who are watching this all, like, everything that happens on, like, these video screens. And so this is a revenge story, right? The Mongrels kill two security guards where Melita works, and, like, a couple of people in the red right hand are upset that innocents are getting killed. They want Wolverine to suffer. But, like, the old guy, who we're kind of figuring is the leader of the red right hand, just reassures them that everything is going to be okay. Like, we've waited our entire lives for this moment, is what he says to all of them. Uh, and that if anyone wants to leave, here's the exit, as he takes out a gun. And this old guy, the leader of the red right hand, it was his father who died. And he says that, like, I wish you could see this moment when when Logan realizes what we've done to him. It's going to be glorious. But, okay, his dad, uh, like, if you read this, I don't feel bad for his dad. His dad was a fucking capitalist pig. Oh, no. And he deserved to die. Absolutely. But the thing is, is, like, you don't even know that yet. Like, this isn't, like, you haven't even gotten there. We're still quite a way away from that. So this is what I mean by, like, having... Like, the idea for this really big story yeah, yeah, and yeah. just chopping it up to into pieces and just sprinkling it throughout so you slowly get the full picture and it takes a while to get there. And, like, that may sound really simple, but the way Jason Aaron and the editors put all this together was fucking masterpiece. I absolutely yeah, love this. Yeah, it was great. 
So anyway, then we finally get a proper introduction to the mongrels. Uh, there is Gunhawk, who's a Canadian dude who likes guns. There is Cannonfoot, who looks, he's like big and looks kind of like beastly. And he kicks these small cannonballs into people to kill them. Sawfist is this Hispanic guy who literally has chainsaws attached to his gauntlets. Shadowstalker, who is this really kinky woman who has uh, spiked balls like little maces attached to her hair. And Fire Knives, who wears a hockey mask, has burning knives, and is crazy. And they are agents of the Red Right Hand, and they're at this bar in Madripoor to fucking burn down this room filled with all of Logan's personal items that all have, like, important memories attached. Um, Gunhawk is like, oh, Logan's gonna come and kill me just because I made his life a living hell and burned his world down around him? Good, now he knows how I feel. Um, so, again, like, now we have a proper introduction to the mongrels, but no backstory on them. No idea where they came from except that they work for the red right hand. So, fucking Demon Wolverine starts to get uppity and Mystique hits him with some fucking holy water. Uh, the Ghost Riders grab him and throw him into a church where Hellstorm is waiting to just fucking send the demon inside of him back into hell. And Logan has met his father in hell, and his father wants to, like, rule hell with him by grabbing the devil's sword, but Logan doesn't want that. He wants to get the fuck out of there. And and Logan was also, like, telling off his dad. He's like, you're not my real dad. You killed my real dad, and I killed you. Yeah, but, you know, Puck is also in hell because Puck was dead at the time, Yeah, but why, why was Puck in hell? I don't know. Puck has done some fucked up shit in his lifetime, but I'm sure. But he said, like, he said that, he told Logan that, like, oh, I didn't say enough Hail Marys or whatever. But, like, <laughs> but like I feel like it seemed like he knew why he was there, but he didn't want to say. So, I don't know. Maybe uh, he was, I mean, he must have been in something and I missed it. He strikes me as one of those kinds of guys who is a good guy, but has done some fucked up shit in his life. Yeah. Um, and that's why he would end up in hell. But... Puck tries to help Logan get out of there, and, you know, Logan eventually does. Oh, and we didn't mention how uh, Sabretooth is, like, the fucking personal pet of Satan. Yeah. He's just, like, the spanking boy. Yeah, that was really cute. He's just, like, he's just, like, Victor, heal, and Victor, like, goes running over to him, and he's like, you see that, Logan? I'm gonna make you do that. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah. No, it was was amazing, because, you know, I mean, Wolverine killed Sabretooth by chopping his goddamn head off. When they're in hell, and Wolverine manages to grab the devil's, like, soul-cutting sword... He takes out Sabretooth by chopping his fucking head off. Yeah, and he's like, hopefully it will stick this time. (laughs) Yeah. When uh, Logan asks Puck how to get out, he's like, I don't know, just start climbing. Basically, yeah, that's what happens. Uh, Logan does make it out, but, like, he seems to sort of be back in his body, but, like, this is when Cyclops, Emma, Magneto, and Namor show up. As, like, the team is recovering on Utopia after Demon Wolverine, like, tore through them, Cyclops is like, this shit ain't gonna fly. But, regardless, Logan's soul is back in his body. The X-Men show up. The old guy from the red right hand seems very happy about this. Which, again, it's still kind of weird with how the story is moving forward. And in pretty much all these issues, there's some sort of backup story to kind of expand the plot a little bit more. um, Or show you other things that don't quite fit in with the normal story. So, like, how did Logan get kidnapped in the first place? 
Well, Mystique pretended to be Melita and got quote-unquote kidnapped in the back of that truck by the red right hand. Uh, Mystique said to like the old guy, hell isn't going to contain him, and the old guy says, uh, hell is just the appetizer. So this was all a really nice setup, even though this was like a complete story, you know, because you got a lot of Logan's soul in hell and what he was going through there, plus, you know, what the demon was doing actually on Earth, and now... Logan's soul is back in his body, sort of, and we're five issues in, and this, like, whole larger story still is nowhere near over yet, because the next story arc is Wolverine versus the X-Men, and we find out that Cyclops had Wolverine protocols. If something ever happens to Wolverine and he turns, what the X-Men need to do in order to take him out? And I do not blame him, even the tiniest bit. Xavier did the same thing. Batman did the same thing for the Justice League. This, I, I believe, is absolutely necessary. No, I agree. Um, and, I mean, who is it? Uh, what's her name? Amico? Uh, yeah. Amico, who said, like, really? Your mind's possessed again? Like, <laughs> honestly, he is just, like, such a magnet for mind control. I don't know why they didn't just, like, implant something in his brain where he can't be taken over. Because it happens every fucking week. I mean, I'm sure that he's got, like, some sort of psychic defenses now, but we're talking about, like, hell. You know what I mean? Yeah, but still, we're, this was 2010. We're talking he about, had already been around for, like, 40 years. We're talking about pentagram babies now, you know? I mean, how often has Wolverine had to deal with pentagram babies, Patty? Once. <sighs> Once during yeah, Inferno. I guess you're he's right. He's not used to pentagram babies. All right, so anyway... Yeah, Logan is in his body, like the actual Logan, but like he and the demons are battling for control over like over the body. This battle ensues with the X-Men and the magic people against Wolverine, and they can't stop him. And like Scott is about to give the order to kill him when this one issue ends anyway. And I just have to say though that like Daniel Acuña is a pretty simplistic artist. But like really effective, his art style is really interesting. But I would, I, I really have to say that like the artwork of this huge demonic horde inside Wolverine's head was amazing because it's like grass and sunshine and like pretty. But then you just have like I can't even really describe it, like skulls and faces coming out of like this just blackness that just stretches forever. And it just looks disgusting and and fucking awesome. I thought I thought it was really cool. So like Wolverine got like all of his versions that he's ever had together to fight these demons, and like this is going on inside of Wolverine's mind mm-hmm. while yeah, while outside um you know they're running the Wolverine protocols and you know they did this in the simulation in the danger room where Magneto would rip all the adamantium out of his body again, like Mm -hmm. he did before. But Wolverine was able to like repel the powers back against Magneto. So Magneto wasn't able to do that in the protocol. They had uh, Namor rip his uh, fucking like scalp off of his head. But yeah, Namor uh, just got like fucking thrown back into the sea. At this point, Shadowcat, Jubilee, Rogue and Storm showed up. And they were not going to fucking back down. Yeah, and Melita was with them too and said, I want to be in his head too. I yeah. don't care if I die. Yeah, like I'm, I'm coming with you. Storm stays out of Wolverine's mind. 
to try to like make sure that Wolverine's body doesn't doesn't kill anyone while like all the rest of the women are inside of his head trying to help him get free and, and this was funny this was like a another funny little thing that they threw in there uh Wolverine's got like all these doors that like you can look into oh my god so uh there's the one with sexual fantasies that Emma looks in and she sees herself <laughs> and Squirrel Girl and Mystique and uh Spiral, Spiral and, Jewel. and Jewel. Yeah, and um Emma's like, I must die right now. Rogue <laughs> looks through the door that says how I cheat at cars and she's like, I knew it. There's just like it's just it's so funny. But again, the art is simple but badass because like you know, this is like a, they're psychic forms and they're all wearing armor and trying to fight these fucking demons and a really cute thing here was that you know kurt came back at this point he was dead and uh he's actually inside logan's head too trying to help he is there to let the phoenix out you know cyclops is ready to obliterate wolverine like the actual physical body and just say fuck it there's nothing else we can do but, you know, then Sturm was like, they're all inside there. And he's like, I don't care. You have to get them out now. Like, Scott was just, like, so dead set on I am going to fucking kill Logan. It has to be that he needs to die. Well, there was, like, no, there was nothing else that they could do, though. I mean, but I there was the, the girls were all trying to help. And Cyclops was just like, no, we need to murder him. Murdering Wolverine is the only option right now. You're just fucking anti-Cyclops. No, just um, stop it. I just thought it was crazy. I just didn't like what he was saying. I just didn't think it made any sense, especially with your fucking girlfriend in his mind. Like, I don't know. Well, what stopped him in his tracks was when uh, Wolverine said Jean. Yeah. Because he had this vision of Jean in his mind. And when the Phoenix came out. Yeah. And Scott was like, did you really see Jean? Was Jean really there? Is Jean alive? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, the Phoenix burned out all the fucking demons. And, you know, Wolverine basically went back to normal. You know, this, this arc felt, you know, it was serious because, you know, all the X-Men were, were going after him. But it still was kind of fun, too. It was cute to see Nightcrawler back at this point helping Logan. And, you know, again, though, this was all part of the plan that the Red Right Hand was going for. You know, send him to hell, make him fight all of his friends, and then, you know, we get to issue number nine, where Wolverine is, you know, now he's he's going out for revenge, but he doesn't have enough information, so the first person he's going for is Mystique. So he goes after her, and she pleads with him not to go after the red right hand but he, she knows that he is gonna do it anyway so he gets an address from her and so finally in issue 10 uh this is actually called wolverine's revenge and this is like the main focus of the larger story but before i get into it i want to give a huge fucking spoiler warning right now that if you have never read this and you are interested in reading this, you might want to stop here. You can always come back and listen and listen to the rest of this if you want to. But seriously, this is this was just such a fucking masterpiece because like you find out something at the end and then the final few pages there is another huge fucking twist and it blew my fucking mind. So again, 
We're going to get into it right now. If you want to pause. Yeah, we are. <laughs> if you want to pause and come back at some other point, or if you just want to stop and go read it on your own, if you've never read it, again, Wolverine Volume 4, and it's the first basically 14 issues that we're talking about. So Logan finds the place where they're staying, some beach in Mexico or something, and it's got a welcome mat. That sounds pretty door. nice right now with this 40-degree <laughs> weather we are having. It really does. But he's like, he's yelling... He's yelling at them, uh, this, this camera that's on him, he's yelling that he's coming for them. And immediately Cannonfoot comes out and says, like, listen, nobody has given up. Everybody here has been waiting for so long for this. And he said they even drew straws to see who was going to fight him first. And, yeah. he, and Wolverine's like, oh, I guess you lost. And he's like, no, no I, I won. won. He kicks a rock right into Logan's eye and uh, throws him through a wall. And everybody in the red right hand, again, they've got cameras all over Logan at all fucking times watching everything that's happening. You know, the whole organization is watching this and someone is like, listen, like, I don't want to watch all of this violence. And the old guy says, like, no, you have to. And so this is where we get the backstory on that old man that Patty brought up, brought up earlier. How he looked up to his father. This was like 80 years ago. Listen, this dude looks old and gross now. So this is 80 years ago. His father owned a Kentucky coal mine. And when the workers went on strike demanding fair wages, and he called them socialist rabble-rousers and had this group brought in with guns who shot and killed the striking workers. And so the workers brought in a negotiator and brought in Wolverine to convince them, to convince the dad to listen to their demands. He, uh, the dad broke a bottle across her face and killed her, so Logan killed him. And this was the old guy's father. So the old guy has been waiting all of these years for revenge. And, and the old guy justified him breaking this bottle over this lady's head because he said that, like, oh, you know, sometimes he could get angry when he's, when he's drunk. drunk. Yeah. And I'm just like, bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he grew up angry, like, throughout his entire life, wanting revenge on Logan. He became rich, he tracked Logan down, like, all these different periods in his life, uh, shot him, tried to blow him up, and realized he couldn't do it himself. And he needed to start recruiting people, um, who had a loved one killed by Wolverine in order to get revenge on Wolverine. And meanwhile... Cannonfoot and Wolverine are still fighting. Cannonfoot's got all these rocks lodged in Logan's body, and it's really fucking gross. Logan cuts off the dude's fingers, and that was even more gross. And then the dude kicks a statue at Logan and um, started stomping on his head. But eventually, Logan manages to kill Cannonfoot, chop off his feet, and says, uh, Yeah, what do you think they're going to call you now? And then Shadowstalker comes out of nowhere and hits him with one of her, like, head maces, and then licks the blood, and is like, I'm gonna make popsicles out of it. Big uh, mood. Yeah, seriously. Um, so Shadowstalker is the next one of the mongrels to fight Logan. Um, she moves really fast. He bites her, pulls her hair, and she says something about liking it. And then realizes that he cut her hair off. Yeah, but she's she's got spikes like all over her fucking uniform. She's wearing fucking cleats and she kicks him into a room where there's all of these costumes of Wolverines. Masks, pictures of him. They even managed to get Sabretooth's head. Um and this is basically like their trophy room. So we get another flashback of this little girl who whose dad uh got killed by Wolverine 
for like looking into stuff that Wolverine was tied to. She woke up in the middle of the night. Logan had just killed her dad, took her outside to save her and let the house burn down. And even as an adult, she married a guy just like her father. And uh, he came with, uh, with Victor Creed uh, before he was called Sabretooth. Logan showed up with him to kill the guy. And they met at a pro-McCarthy rally. So, you know what? She and the other guy, they're, they're people. They deserved it. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Like, these deaths were completely justified. So, like, obviously this woman wants revenge on them, too. And she got approached by the old guy. Yeah, she got approached by the old guy at her husband's funeral. But, like, he takes her to Victor Creed's mom. And she's like, I thought Sabretooth killed his parents. And he's like, no, no, that's just what he says. He killed his dad, but he's taking, like, the best care of his mom. She's got cancer, and she's dying. And he hands her a hammer and is like, kill her. And that was really fucked up to see. Like, I get it. And I get how this is all about revenge. But still, with a hammer, just beats her face in and kills her. So this woman killed Sabretooth's mom. Really fucked up. But back in the present, you know, all these people are watching. Wolverine killed Shadowstalker. Um, so this is another one of the mongrels that he killed. And then we get another backstory of one of the Red Right Hand members. This isn't as far in the past now. And this was the most disturbing one, for me anyway. Because there were a bunch of these, like obviously. So this guy is in his truck trying to get his pregnant wife to the hospital. And she's complaining how it's not supposed to hurt like this. But they're stuck in traffic because Wolverine and the Hulk are fighting. The car gets, On the highway. Yeah, the, the car gets smashed. And so he's carrying her and running. And fucking blood is dripping down her legs. And he's just lost his shit further down the road. You know, she's like moaning at first, but then later she's clearly dead. And he's just like traumatized. And Wolverine says, like, stay off the road. And he's just like, he runs past these these doctors who say, does anybody need medical assistance? And he's like, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're yeah. almost at the hospital. And this guy, I felt really bad for him. And he had, like, gotten, he had tried to get Wolverine on his own to, like, see, like, what he did to, like, his wife and unborn child. But, like, you know, he never paid attention to it or whatever. Yeah. And sometime, sometime later, they show the man in a bar and... You know, the old man from the red right hand approaches him, but, you know, the the guy doesn't want anything to do with him. He's got a bag full of stuff with him, and so he goes and finds a homeless guy. He's got this cheap Wolverine costume, forces the homeless guy to dress up in it, and then beats him to death with a baseball bat just to take it out on him. And then we see some demon sort of, like, steer this guy towards the old man from the red right hand. So this guy joins their little fucking cult, too. And, you know, they keep cutting to shots of, like, their group growing and them talking about what they're going to do to Wolverine to get their revenge on him. And still, in the present, Wolverine is still fighting more of the mongrels. And this time, he's fighting Sawfist and Fire Knives at the same time. And, of course, he kills the two of them. So Gunhawk is the only one that's left. He shoots Wolverine repeatedly. And then we get one more flashback of another member of the Red Right Hand, and it's a little Japanese girl being trained to be a member of the Hand when her father comes home with a group humiliated uh, in defeat by Logan, 
and he and the the hand members with him commit um, seppuku, and it's right in front of her. So she watches her dad and these dudes kill themselves. And when they're a little older, uh, her and her brothers are all part of the hand. Her brothers come home all slashed up because of of Wolverine, and uh, this. So this was a little disturbing too that the women are basically just baby factories. Like, hand members die, and it's up to the women to just birth more so Ugh. they can join the ranks of the hand. That was really disturbing. Like, uh, it's, so, uh, it's so stupid because uh, when they, like, when they brought her back, they they were like, oh, we need you to uh, make babies for us now, basically, and yeah. that's what you're going to be used to. <clears throat> If they have the power to bring people back to life, why don't they just fucking do that instead of using the women as, like, fucking baby machines? Well, because I think they're trying to do both. <clears throat> it was, uh, that was really sad. I mean, you know, out of out of these backstories that we got, this wasn't the most disturbing to me. Just because of the visuals of, of the guy with the pregnant dead wife. Oh, yeah, and uh, this girl joined the hand too and ended up getting killed was it by wolverine yeah it was by wolverine this and this was this was really well done too because she literally confronts him and then she's like before i knew it he was past me and then i looked down and saw something on my shoe it was the rice i had for lunch oh right and then there's like all the blood and then she falls down this was just really really effective storytelling and really uh, really awesome on the on the artists too for for the visuals for all this. But um, when she came back, she was just like, "I'm not a part of the hand anymore. Fuck this. Yeah, I'm not gonna be a baby. I'm machine. gonna I'm gonna um, you know, basically just live to kill Logan, and yeah. that's gonna be because the old guy approached her too, just like he's approached everybody else, and he yeah. re- he recruited her into the into the red right hand, and even uh, Deken helped them out too with how they could get their revenge on wolverine and it's it's never explicitly stated but it kind of insinuated that he's the one who gathered the mongrels for them well it makes sense because uh dekan translates to mongrel in japanese yeah so i thought that that was something that was interesting especially if that was something that you didn't know now you know it and that was a cool little nod but of course you know the last mongrel that was left gunhawk who was just shooting wolverine (laughs) And then tried stabbing him with the little knives on his guns. Of course, of course he gets killed. Gunhawk says to him, you know, the plan was never to kill you. It was only to make you hurt. And that's all that's waiting for you on the other side of that door. So Logan is right outside the viewing room where the entire organization is standing, viewing all of this. And Logan says to Gunhawk, do I know you from somewhere, bub? And Gunhawk says, no, you don't know me at all. And then he dies. And then Wolverine enters the door. Something that I thought was interesting was <laughs> that throughout this story and as things developed, like as Wolverine got out of hell, as Wolverine got back into his body, you know, as all of these things happened, uh, we saw the red right hand in this room and, you know, there would be people who are like, oh, well, you know, he's out of hell. Well, yeah, that was the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we planned to get him back into his body. Yeah. We <clears throat> we we knew that these mongrels were all gonna die. That was part of the plan. So you're just thinking, like, what the fuck is the plan? Yeah. I mean, how are you gonna get him to suffer if you're just like having him kill all these fucking disposable people? Exactly. And in, in any other story, like you know, this would have 
foiled the villain's plot. Like, oh, he got out of hell. Shit, run away. We'll try again some other time. Oh, you know, the X-Men saved him. Oh, shit, run away. We'll get him some other time. And so that's what made it really interesting because you don't know what the ultimate plan is. But Wolverine has made it up to this door. You know, this is the moment. Um, and he's like, ha ha, I got this. Yeah. So now we start to kind of see what exactly is happening. Or at least we think we do. Because, you know, in the final issue, every single one of the red right hand are standing there and they've got a glass of red liquid. And it's like, oh, I see what it is. They're going to drink it. They're going to die. And Wolverine isn't going to be able to actually kill them. And so maybe that that's their revenge. It was sad, though. It was weird because they're all standing around and smiling. And then they, they all drink. And then their faces, the blood's everywhere. They're all dropping dead. And like the old guy, he doesn't take a drink yet. He's about to when he notices this young boy also hasn't taken a drink. And the kid's like, I want to see Logan's face. And the old man is like, listen, we have to deprive him of his revenge if we are to have our own. And then the old guy finally takes the drink. But then it cuts to the young boy who remembers his mom. Apparently, she was all that this kid had. She was a nurse for S.H.I.E.L.D., though. And there was one day where she was operating on Wolverine for some fucking reason. But he woke up in the bed and literally stabbed right through her. And nobody told the kid the truth, but he eventually found out. He carried this anger with him. And went to, like, all these different foster homes. Nothing ever worked out until the old man finally got custody of him. And so, you know, there is another minor flashback to when the red right hand are trying to figure out what to what to do. It seems like this kid is the one to suggest allowing Wolverine to kill the mongrels. And, okay, so, so fine. This is all depressing. It's all crazy. This is how they get him. They torture him. They literally put him through hell. And then they all kill themselves. And they they deny him the chance for revenge. And so when Wolverine walks in, he finds all of the dead bodies in his viewing room. The kid took the drink. He just looks around and walking around. And then this video starts to play. And it's the old guy on this pre-recorded video. If you're seeing this message, it means that we are dead. We thought it best to deprive you of the joy you would have taken from killing us. And then all of a sudden, this light comes on to this photo album. And the old guy explains that what he's going to see are the faces of fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, children who you murdered. Wolverine basically picks it up and is looking through it. And the old man explains that they wanted revenge. So they sent them to hell, attacked those closest to him. Their vengeance is complete. But, uh, but you killed five people to get to this room and the man says that we've got some pictures of the mongrels too and the files that that you should find interesting we know everything about you more than you know about yourself we know who you've killed and who you've loved and logan is just in shock as he's looking at the files on the mongrels and he's like this can't be true the old guys, like, we gathered these mongrels, trained them, knowing they would never win a fight with you. We wanted them to die by your hand. Why? Because they were your children. And I still fucking got goosebumps rereading this. I get goosebumps talking about this right now, thinking about this. And this blew my fucking mind when I first read this eight years ago. I cannot 
fucking believe that twist. And he couldn't fucking believe it either. And listen, listen, the way that this ended was with the old man on the video saying to Logan, at least you know what it's like to be us. Welcome, James Howlett, to the red right hand. And the video shuts off, and Logan is just in shock. He cannot fucking believe it. He's like, no, no, this can't be true. This this can't be true. And, and like, the book ends with, with uh, the members of the red right hand meeting their loved ones in hell, except for the except for the little kid. We assume his mom went to heaven, but the little kid is just lost by himself down there in hell. And and that's how it ends. And that was like like a fucking masterful twist. Like listen, comic books are are comic books. They're not always fucking like, you know, classic fucking famous literature type of stuff you're going to see in some English lit class a hundred years from now, but they're cool stories. They're good stories. They got interesting characters. You know, it's great. But to me, this was a fucking masterful twist. Like this is the kind of thing you would expect to see in like a movie by some fucking genius artsy director or something. Are you calling Jason Aaron a genius artsy director? Yes. I think it's the beard that gives him his superpowers. He's fucking Mm. awesome. All his superpowers went to his beard. None of them are on his head. <laughs> well, he's bald, so clearly. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Um, I'm making a bald joke. Oh, that's messed up. Uh, <laughs> no, but I absolutely love this story. The way that this yeah, was... Yeah, it was fantastic. The way that this was set up and executed, all the characters involved in it, just like at the right times. Um, and the red times. And the hand times. Right. The times with my hands. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm, <laughs> when I'm alone with my... <laughs> With my right hand. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, I, I can't, I can't, I can't say enough good things about this, about this story. Except I do have one small complaint. What? Is that I wish we had seen a bit more of the mongrels in action. Yes. One, or their fucking history. We didn't see any of that. Now, listen, 100%, I, I am happy we got none of their backstories what? Uh, at any point throughout this? No, because if we had seen any of like them growing up, there there would have been maybe more of an allusion to the fact that Wolverine was the father. So I'm glad. In fa- no, I-, I would have liked to have seen it after the fact, so we could have gotten like why they wanted to get this revenge on Wolverine because we really had no idea. Right. Well, I mean, we saw a little bit afterwards. Like we're not going to talk about it, but like the next issue, Wolverine basically drags their dead bodies back to their hometowns, like as sort of like a penance for what he did, and and it was a really sad thing, but. We're not. We're not going to get okay, into. Okay, I read that a few years ago, so I don't remember. No, no, no. But I, I so, get what you're saying. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. I will. I, I, I guess it's weird for me to look at it now, right? Because I read this eight years ago, and mm-hmm. I haven't revisited it since. It's just the love that I had for the story has stuck with me for so long. But rereading it, there is one panel where Gunhawk says, "I'm Canadian." And I looked at that, and I was like, oh, yeah. ooh, I was like, ooh, that's a little bit too much of a clue that this guy might be. No, I mean, I don't know. Now, Who is Canadian? I mean, in this how many this Canadians day, listen, are there in this day and age? In who, this economy, who can afford to be Canadian? If we're being real about it, you know. But um, that's the only thing. Like, if if I see what you're saying, and I could maybe agree. I don't know how it would work, but even just more of them going after Melita, or more of them working for the red right hand, doing something, training, you know, we we got a decent amount of them, and it still worked for that big twist at the end, but I just, I would have liked to have seen a little bit, a little bit more of them. 
Uh, those are five characters who I hope never, ever return from the dead. This was one of the most impactful stories, period, I've ever read in my life. No, if any of them get brought back, like, that just, that just basically negates the entire point of the story. Yeah, that's basically what I was saying with Laura Kinney's mom was still alive. Yeah, yeah, I get you. It, it negates the impact of what Laura felt. You know, those panels at the end of her, her, uh, first solo series when, uh, she's laying there with her mom. I, I absolutely get it. I, I don't know. A, a crazy thing about this story too that I thought about is of the red right hand members, we never felt found out any one of their names except for the one dude with the dead pregnant wife his name was roger we never found out the name of any any other member their names didn't matter yeah it it didn't matter they were all part of the red right hand if you if you were still listening at this fucking point this is still worth reading because it's still amazing to see this whole thing in action again though this is in like a few different parts Um, Because, you know, one arc, the first arc is five issues and it's Wolverine Goes to Hell. So, again, it's the first 14 issues. But it's a lot easier to follow than Inferno because it's just in this one book. Yeah, it's just in in this one book. This isn't some big crossover. I know this isn't one of, like, the staple X-Men crossovers like Mutant Massacre or something like that. But, no, this is is one of my favorite X-Men related stories and so very close to my number one. Um, which we'll be, we'll be talking about next time. So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com, 1 million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook, leave us feedback on iTunes, and follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. What did you think of Inferno? Did you read and enjoy Jason Aaron's run on Wolverine? Join us next week with a regularly scheduled episode, and again in two weeks when we discuss two more of our favorite stories. And until then, Madeline Pryor was right. So Red was right. Hands. Huh? Red, Uh, right hand. Words. uh,